were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. Welcome to Two Day Dream Believers Podcast, all the other ghost edition, which I've never said before, but you know, hey, we can start it off here. Um, and yeah, we're back. <laughs> How, do we, How do we usually start it? I don't even remember. Because we were on the other podcast doing it, and oh, then so I brought it over really? here. So I don't even, I don't know. Who I don't knows? know what we've been doing. Who if knows? We keep changing it up. If you're here, if you're here, then you know and you follow along with us, so you'll forgive us. Exactly. We we like to change things up and be different. Correct. That's how we roll. We okay. So, but something that has not changed is my co-partner in crime. That's me. Beth. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, leave the awkward pause in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bethany or B, and I'm not that B on Tumblr. But she is awesome in real life. Oh, I'm not supposed to say awesome anymore. Oh, You're not. Okay. Is that a self-imposed rule? No, you called me out for always saying that I say I just I call people not. awesome. <laughs> but I, then I do. I'm like, I do. I need to come up with new adjectives. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so we're doing all the other ghosts today. We are doing 14, 15, and 16. As I Ooh. know, we, we're doing three in a row because listen, if we were doing one at a time, as much as we all love it, we would be here until next year. And I mean. No, we're not doing that. So, right. <laughs> uh, previously on all the other ghosts, it's been so long since we recorded, I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> this is going to be the best podcast ever. Best podcast ever. I, I, I mean, you know, Kurt's the ghost of New York. Mm-hmm. Blaine sure. yeah. is his partner in crime now. Phalanx. Phalanx. Because we, or I do remember. Me, flanks. Flanks. <laughs> 
we did look it up and we both say it wrong so we don't really so know. yeah <laughs> but we're not gonna say it the right way because neither of us can make our mouths work around no. it so yeah, we're right. just gonna say it the way we we always said it. said it um and they go fight crime and like the back like the backstory of this is uh, there's not the backstory, but the like backbone of this is two things going on. One, there's somebody making superheroes or supervillains out there. We don't know who it is, but she hasn't come to that plot point in a very long time. Um, no, so she don't, worry. don't worry about it. The other point is that Kurt and Blaine are in a relationship and try to navigate being superheroes in a super gay relationship. So bam. And Sup- doing it. <laughs> super boyfriends are super. Um, super boyfriends are super. And we're kind of getting around the holidays. I think last time we talked about Halloween, and we're kind of and Thanksgiving because Kurt went home for Thanksgiving. Oh, that's right, that's right. And um, Blaine patrolled on his own for the first time. He did. Wow, you're remembering better than I am. Um, so we're growing. Our, our super boyfriends are growing. Yeah. And um, yeah, these little three super, little super buddy boys. <laughs> we're getting around Christmas, but the interesting thing is that these are very three standalone chapters, really. Yeah. Um, she's kind of bridging. Big, uh, you know. I feel like the one thing about these, it feels like we're kind of stalling for something, and I think she's uh-huh. gonna after this, the second half of the book, it's gonna kind of like or fic. It's, I'm, uh, you know, is going to kind of go towards that plot point of you know these this weirdo making supervillains, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, we're just kind of chilling here for a little bit, just doing some character work. So yeah, let's jump into fourteen, um, and we open with some fandom stuff. Um, they were last seen at a gay bar in thirteen, so. You know, everybody on the internet is talking about that because they showed up at a gay bar. So, what does that mean? What does it not mean? You know, misinterpretations. And, uh, you know, one thing, as we often talked about, that this story is so amazing at is having those discussions about fandoms. Yes. And here, she's talking about, you know, what can you actually, you know, discuss about these two show up in a gay bar, not for very long. It's because they're chasing down some superhero and they accidentally show up there, but fandom mm-hmm. goes crazy with it. And so it's like, okay, what are they doing there? And all of them are really kind of wrong. And yes, they are for sure. You know, but it leads us to the conversation. I mean, do we really know what people are doing? We don't, we can't really. We t- yeah. You know, you see people no, like don't. And like, and, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if you're... No, no, no. no the point ahead. you were getting to. But, like, you know, we we talk about all the time, it's okay to guess and, and mm-hmm. imagine what it could be and what... And have your own headcanons about what this is or that is. But you need to keep it as that and so that you aren't pushing your quote-unquote agenda which i don't love that phrasing but that's the one i'm going to use because i can't think yeah. of a better one no i don't anyone mean else and so you know it's fine like what like imagining what these two people that you are fans of are doing is fine it's but there is a line and you need to be cognizant of that line mm-hmm. exactly um also being brought up here is that our character ghostly is called the kraken even though she claims she's not the Kraken. She's totally the Kraken. <laughs> just wanted to throw that there. Uh, the kink meme is not a verb. Because um, my favorite thing, one of the things I love, yeah, the internet, and it, she even says in the thing, um, everything is a verb. 
Like it's been interneted. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I love somebody's like, let's kink meme it. <laughs> and I kink love meme that. It's not a verb. <laughs> I love it. Um, it just me makes too. me happy. Um, and then there's a little cat. Like in true, true internet fashion, there's a cat in a ghost costume. And how adorable is that? You know? Yes. We need this cuteness because we're going to get into some serious stuff. Right. Serious crying stuff. Okay. So getting back into the actual story. Gosh, this stuff always gets me. Okay. So Kurt is telling Blaine about the one time he got drunk and a guy kind of pushed too far and kind of got handsy and it kind of gets borderline sexual assaults. And Blaine Mm -hmm. blows up about it. Yeah. And very angry kind of insinuates that Kurt allows these things to happen to him. Mm-hmm. And he does backtrack on it. Um, and, you know, he thinks about himself. I mean, she even mentions the stuff that happened in season five that we talked about. And I do feel like this is kind of a where she wants to, like, examine the stuff that happened in the first time. Where, because mm-hmm. I know there's all that commentary about Blaine in the back of the seat, and did Kurt give us consent or did he not? And is Blaine a bad person? I get that, but I'm like, I, hmm, it's not okay. So I wrote in my notes. I feel like at this point, I need to say that it's a clear this boundary agency thing is a huge issue with Rainjoy, and I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think how she presents people who've been abused dealing with slightly possessive and. Impact- protective partners are unrealistic but my issue becomes is how far can we go au how far can an au go from an original source material and either is is either character being done well at this point Mm. so in case my my issue i don't even want to call it an issue okay so in the we'll find in these next couple chapters one of the things that rain joy and I think she does well as she brings up these com- the, these social commentary issues. And one of them is about, um, you know, boundaries and agency. And it's very, you know, it's for everybody, but it is something, you know, if we're looking at the Me Too movement particularly, is an mm-hmm. important issue. But she is framing this onto a curtain blame. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Does, am I making sense to you, Bethany? Yes. I mean, go ahead. You and... are. You are. And, you know, I remember when I read that note, I was like, the note that you put in our in our mm-hmm. notes, I was like, I'm not sure if either character is being done well at this point. I mean, it's such a it's such a weird subject because. And I've talked about this before, and I don't want to repeat myself, but I'm going to repeat myself a little bit. You know, that very, that is the point of an AU, is to take two characters that you love and put them into different situations. So if you put them into different situations, it's, logist- it's logical that their personalities are going to change a little bit because they're affected by different things. Mm-hmm. But and I then... Guess, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Go but ahead. then you kind of change them from the characters that you love. So like, it's like this catch 22. And so at Mm -hmm. this point, at this point, I'm not sure. How do I want to say this? At this point, I'm not sure if I see either one of them either. 
Yeah. And then it goes into it, it like it, it makes it interesting for these discussions. Um, and something we tried to work out before we started this is I think I said in the last podcast, and I've just failed at this point, and it doesn't, you know, this is what people are gonna be talking about anyway. Um the the plot here, there really is no plot, it's just these just these philosophical discussions on boundaries and agency, which I do think are interesting and compelling and Rainjoy does a great job kind of taking these kind of clump, complex social issues and kind of exploring them through her fic. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, I feel like Kurt and Blaine are their own original characters. I, I, I think that they have gone, there are definitely shades of the original characters. And I looked it up, by the way, she wrote both this one and gray between through all of season four and this and halfway through season five. So mm-hmm. she kind of just threw Canon out the window after mm-hmm. season three. So a lot of this right. stuff roots out of those original opening characters as we talked about a lot of times. But I think for this kind of, because I think what I, I keep coming back to, and I'm as about as redundant as Rain Joy is in this, because maybe because she's so redundant about it, is that, the way she codes them as feminine and masculine and here is a yes. female issue mm-hmm. and she she wallpapers that onto curtain blaine that i think is where i'm just i, I struggle because you know kurt is such a, a a important character to me and his character ends up being so different than what she paints here that sometimes I have a hard time. I guess also with yeah. Blaine, I think Blaine gets painted as a little too much of a, I don't want to say villain, but... But almost like antagonistic. Yeah. Like, not really a villain, but like an, like an, like an antagonist yeah. to Kurt's story in a lot of ways. And I don't think it's it's a bad thing. But it also isn't, I don't, like you said, is either character being done well at this point? I don't know. Exactly. Well, the other point is there's no plot here. The plot here is the fact that, and we're going to get into these other scenes where it, it continues on this subject. It's, it's a philosophical discussion. It's, it's, it's not, there's no longer a plot. Um, Right. Kind of jumping and moving forward. We get, first of all, we get Kurt's point of view. He has a nightmare. Um, I can't remember what it is, but my two big takeaways are that Kurt is trying to make sure he understands that Blaine can't fix everything and their love is not a fairy tale and he can't be woken up. He's he's choosing to be alive and Blaine can't fix all the ghosts that haunt him. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Kurt is frustrated that Blaine won't trust him when he says that he's okay because he feel, mm-hmm. he finally feels one of the neat things, though, it, you know, and she does these arcs really well. Kurt went from. At the beginning of this, being a basically walking shell or a ghost, as you will, yes, of himself, and now that he finally feels like he's alive, he feels almost, I dare I say, restricted when his boyfriend is trying to put him in the role of victim again. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, yeah. we have Blaine in the next one. You know, he's got a contrasting dream that he can't save Kurt because he almost feels like it's his duty. And this, this stuff kind of interestingly comes up with tested and then, you know, the stuff that came up in tested where Blaine feels like it's his duty to save Kurt. And he feels like he's not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, that, I mean, again, there's no real plot. That's just a whole lot of character introspection there. Right. And 
I guess this this is the point where I get kind of frustrated with Blaine because, you know, it is really, it's hard to be the person when you're saying you're okay and they don't believe you. Yeah. And so, like, it's easy for me to put myself into that role and just be like, I, it's frustrating that you can't see that I'm okay. Yeah. And I don't need you to save me even if I wasn't. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't really want to get into that, so keep going. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's okay. And, well, I mean, just, I, and I think the also frustrating thing is, like, earlier on in the chapter is the, um, oh, what, it, did, what note did I make? Hold on. As I go back to the beginning here. Um, this kind of borderline insinuating that Kurt allows this stuff to happen to him. Yes. Oh my god. And this is a this is the difference between like I I just talked about how like okay this Blaine thinking that he needs to save Kurt is does come up in tested so that is a real canon thing and she wrote this before that that actually happened in tested. At the same time at no point does Blaine ever accuse Kurt of being a victim or right. insinuate the fact that he just allows these bad things to happen to him. Because he does, because whatever. And what she's saying in her narrative is that, like, she's just trying, as you say, trying to be an antagonist to, to Kurt. And, and a lot of the, the the introspection is Kurt and commentary on how he's growing as a person and where he felt like he had to walk through life as Kurt. And because he was, he's trying to survive as the ghost, so Kurt kind of got shut off for a while. Um, right. But that does... It's just, it's all kind of messy and muddy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's an understatement. It's very messy and very muddy. And, like, I, it's it's a weird thing to talk about because I don't know how to talk about it as if they were completely divorced uh, from the actual original characters. Because then you're it's a kind of a straightforward, this is the philosophical debate. And maybe I wouldn't like Blaine as much, too. If it was just these characters, um, yeah. I think knowing that the Blaine that I know and love being different from this Blaine, I don't know. But then again, like this is, ver- I don't necessarily like this version of Kurt either, but. Right. Oh man. I don't know. He's, if very, he's very like touch him and he might break. I don't yeah, know. Fragile. Um, it, this has been an interesting experience so far because, you know, this is a beloved fic and there's so many wonderful things in it. I'm, I'm, But I'm wondering if dissecting it is making it harder for me. I don't know. We'll get to the end and we'll have more thoughts. But anyway. <laughs> no, I get it. You see all the cracks. It, 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 yeah. Like I said, as I always preface, Rainjoy did this for free. She took all of her time out of it. And mm-hmm. I don't want to detract from that because I do think she has a very fascinating and interesting world here. And me breaking it down almost is unfair on some level because she didn't right. put her work out there. But at the same time, the work is out there. Whatever. I should stop feeling guilty. Okay. So we can move on. Though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, meanwhile, you know, Rachel comes in um, with another tack about superheroes and their inefficiency. And I love that Kurt kind of walks out because Blaine, it's Blaine's turn to be like, no, they're not. And they get in the same kind of conversation that they got in, Kurt and, and Rachel got into ages ago. Now, a lot of this is a little seeds for what's going to happen towards the end of the mm-hmm. thing. Um, 
Dipper, Kurt and Blaine have a conversation about Christmas. All of these kind of deal with the Christmassy issues. Um, and Kurt is torn between going home and being on duty. So we get kind of that dichotomy going. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, and I wrote this in my notes, this, the, the small domestic things that she writes are what really sells things for me though, because she does make sure that Kurt and Blaine have these quiet, like just a second, I need to like, you know, text my boyfriend. I love him. And just a second, you know, or just really, you know, somebody's in somebody's room and really like enjoying something. And mm-hmm. I, I do like that part of it. I can see that it's it's very very familial and 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 sweet and and little tiny things that you know unfortunately because it was a TV show we didn't get to see a lot of so we can enjoy a lot of and fix and it's just little sweet things I I definitely enjoy them a lot too yeah again it's there's no plot but you know it's nice no but um. it also it also but it adds to the plot too like it's yeah. not. It's not a. It doesn't move the plot forward in any way, but it adds to the plot as well. Exactly. Well, the thing is about both this and more so Gray, if you can believe it, it is they're very much character study pieces. Yes. Um, which is why we keep talking about philosophy and psychology and and et cetera, et cetera. Um, more so than the really basic superhero plot of, you know, <laughs> them fighting bad guys. Which they do in every chapter, but, you know. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on here. Bert, Kurt's birthday has passed, and Blaine gets anxious about that. Um, because it, it's a little bit more of Kurt withholding, but it's, it's yeah, it's fine. It's fine, Kurt. It, it is what it is. Like, I, it's a, to me, it's kind of a non-issue. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I would be just kind of like, oh, really? You didn't tell me what your birthday, that it was your birthday? Well, Sorry, it's whatever. Yeah. The biggest point and the biggest section of this um, is really Kurt is as a civilian. He goes into a bank and the bank is held hostage. And Mm -hmm. this is where, I mean, I know I was whining about the whole first half of the chapter, um, but this is how I think she does. I I call her RJ because Brain Joyce is a lot and I'm lazy. Um, Does tension. (laughs) She does tension very well. Um, She does. She, she's very good at making a scene like the superhero is seen. Sometimes it can be muddled in their action, but um, like when it comes to emotion and what's going, what the the, the character's feeling, she does very very well. Yes. Um, there I is would a moment. Agree with that. There is a moment where a teenage girl is harassed, mm-hmm. and it is. I wrote it becomes it's a metaphor, and it, I don't remember exactly what metaphor it was, but it, it's <laughs> more of that. Like this is what women have to deal with all the time, yep. kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. these two guys are basically like mentally abusing her because she's a teenage girl, and it, it's not. It, it is rain. Like I said, Rain Joy is one of the thematic issues through her story. At least this one, I, I don't remember. Gray turns into something else entirely. Um, is a lot of these feminine issues and a lot about yeah. um, just people seemingly weaker than other people when they're not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a there is an element of me being like, well, I like that. I like that 
in <laughs> what I'm reading. I just wish I just wish it came out of a woman's mouth. Yeah. I think that's also the other the in addition to the the Kurt stuff had Kurt been a woman in this entire story, I think all of this would play better for me. Yes. Um and uh, you know, there is a really amazing and complex character study for an original character who maybe maybe they're, you know, there could even be gender binary here. I mean, mm-hmm. just like, you know, somebody who really feels both masculine and feminine and um yeah, I don't know. Um, the one thing that I want to say about Kurt that I I think is really fascinating with this version of Kurt that I like here is seeing this growth in one one of his um, thought processes he goes why don't people believe I want to live because the guys they they start beating up on him because he looks like he's you know really weak and pathetic and um, he just in a moment it's like I want to live now whereas the beginning he was okay with dying. And a lot of the mm-hmm. flashbacks we get, he's okay with dying. But now he's like, no, I, I want to live. Like, right. why, and why does this stuff keep happening to me when I finally decided I have a reason and purpose to live? And I think that is very fascinating, that kind of dichotomy that she creates. Yeah. It's a very, um, I mean, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I don't really... <laughs> I definitely agree. It's it's interesting and it's also um it's just it just adds to the story. It's a it's another character arc that adds to the story. I like that more than I like the the coded feminineness of it. Um that yes. whole idea of Kurt being a character who's so deeply depressed and or so deeply like fine with throwing his life away. Um, is okay mm-hmm. and wanting and 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 feeling like he he wants to live for something. Mm-hmm. Um, I can almost you know I'm almost thinking about this is gonna sound really weird, but hopefully you can hear me out and understand what I'm coming from. It, it's making me think of Captain America because in the films he's all like I you know I'll die for my country and I'll you know whatever, and at the end. He, he ends up, well, okay, spoiler for Endgame. You know what, this is going to, if you haven't seen Endgame right now, I'm sorry, whatever. Like, at the end. <laughs> right. At this he, point, you. At this point, you should. <laughs> um, he makes a very selfish, selfish decision and decides to, like, live his life again and go be with the, the woman that he loves. And mm-hmm. it's very much, it just reminds me, Kurt reminds me of that a little bit. This like, yes. you know what? I've always put my life down on the line, but now I have something that I want to go back and live for. And, yes. I can definitely see that. I don't think I'd ever made that connection before, but definitely can see that about how, you know, because he has, you know, sacrificed his time and his sleep mm-hmm. and his energy and his everything for this cause to get like zero things and ze- and not really anything and now he has something that he wants to not only just live for because you should be- want to live for more than just a- a- another person you should want to live for yourself but it also it's like one of those things where it like reminds you of what that you had a lot to live for I guess I would say mm-hmm. yep. so 
I mean, I, I would have never put those two things together, but I definitely see where it's coming from. And I yeah. definitely agree. I, you know, I didn't until just now. So I feel clever, yeah. but not really. It's, it's <laughs> the, again, one, one thing that I will praise Rain Joy for, I think she takes a lot of these issues about being superheroes and really does a lot of great psychology stuff with it. And that aspect I also really love. Um, so, um, I mean, she knows she knows her superhero tropes. That's definitely yes. for sure. But she also um, knows her literature, and she knows yeah, and she psychology. knows psychology. I mean, and she's she, a very learned person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have nothing but kind things to say about Rainjoy themselves, even though I know nothing about Rainjoy other than they're mm-hmm. British. Um, right. Even if I have these complaints about these specific uh, setups that she puts Kurt and Blaine in, you know, I don't like. It's just. It gets tricky. I mean, again, maybe just being ultra meta on meta when you're talking about a real person um, that you don't know, you can only infer so much. And sometimes a piece of artwork just needs to be like, I I have no (sighs) criticisms of her as an artist, as a writer, but I do of the work and it becomes about the work and it's not about the person who made it, if that makes sense. It definitely does. For sure. Doing this always makes me feel... Ranger makes me feel smarter, though, when I get into the nitty-gritty of this. Okay, (laughs) on this intellectual, psychological level, we will be discussing... Yeah. Um, (laughs) Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Exactly. Uh, So, uh, kind of moving on, um, you know, Phalanx does come and save the day, and it is one of Blaine's first big, you know, come-to-the-rescue moments that he gets to do on his own. Um, and afterwards it's, you know, Kurt's just tired in general. Finn's mm-hmm. being overly protective. Finn's kind of a dick in this, this book. I mean, <laughs> I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say chapter. He, yeah, he's, he's kind of a dick. I mean, not, I think he's just, cause I, I, I want to defend him a little bit. I'm not going to defend mm-hmm. him a whole bunch. Yeah. That's also a, a, a lot of who Finn's character is like, he's very, sweet and 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 kind of stupid and silly but he's also very he has a lot of anger and um, a lot of a lot of when things don't get his go his way he gets kind of pouty and kind of um, but again that's that characterization from seasons two and three that did not include the season four growth correct right because he did Finn had a ton of growth growth in season four yeah, so, Finn was kind of a dick in season two and three, a lot, and even not even in the season three stuff. I think that all of this characterization stems out of season two. Um, I would definitely agree with that. So, and then of course Blaine's angry again that he can't be the protector all the time, and it's like Blaine, you can't protect somebody all the time. Ugh. I understand Kurt being frustrated because he did save Kurt, and and Kurt's being more metaphorical here too, and. Or allegorical, I don't know. When he says, you know, you did save me. Like, you came into my life and you, you know, as they say in the wedding vows, you know, you ripped down the things blocking the sun. Like, you saved me. Like, why can't you see that that is enough? And, Mm -hmm. of course, Blaine doesn't. And then um, there's a moment where both Blaine and Finn are like, you're the most unluckiest person ever. And Kurt says, you know, I'm lucky because I found you. Right. Uh, that I mean, sometimes I get on the, the cheesier moments, but that I think works for me. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
No, it works for me too. Yeah. It really works. Um, um, so first of all, I need to throw out there. This just cracks me up. The, the tone shift where Blaine is horny when he, yeah, he is. Oh my God. Like I want to do you like the adrenaline. Cause we're past, this is so weird. This is the same chapter too. We're past the bank robbery stuff. We're kind of like in the next day or whatever. And you know, the, it just really, this one scene of Blaine being really super horny, about wanting, you know, out in patrol. But Kurt is like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of horny, too. This is so fanficy that it cracks me it, up. It is. And I am 100% okay with it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I love go it. I love it. Your, go be your little gay boyfriend selves. Cracks me. Oh, this is the part where I was so tired that I, I don't even know what's actually happening in this scene. <laughs> but, um... Uh, it, it doesn't help though that she this is she doesn't do this too often, but it does come up every once in a while. She changes point of views within. Usually she'll be like, okay, this section is Kurt's, this section is Blaine's, mm-hmm. and in this one she jumps around. I'm like, who the hell's point of view is this right now? Um, so I think I that's why. I don't think you're supposed to ask. Oh. <laughs> you can so, project. That was a total <laughs> joke. I'm just. Kidding. I love it. I no, that was hilarious. <laughs> Um. Uh, oh, I was, like, I was reading my note. I'm like, what did that mean? Oh, the again, as I said, like, the, she he's making commentary about how Blaine helps Kurt come out of the darkness. And mm-hmm. as I've said before, I think that the fan, or the writers were aware of two fix in the fandom: this one and um, the she. Which is mm-hmm. the one where they're there? That's the one where the like, uh, they are. It's in the fantasy thing, and they basically mm-hmm. find that they have been, they will be like reincarnation of themselves over and over again, and that's where the like the uh, actual canon speech, where this you know, well, in every lifetime we are meant to be together. Thing have you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Uh, not that they probably did. I'm pretty sure Ryan Murphy and them are above any kind of fan works, but it's interesting. I don't know, Pam. I <laughs> it's, true. it's creepy how similar it is. It's that's that's true. Uh, Bash is definitely all the other ghosts. Um, and it's um, it's interesting how. You know, I mean, there is a certain predictability in a lot of media if you've consumed enough of it. But how dead on, as much as I talk about how not how these characters have been deviated so much from the originals, every once in a while she's so dead on in her predictions mm-hmm. of the the issues that Kurt and Blaine are going to face, um, and That's that whole true. the whole dynamic of, Kurt, of Blaine not feeling worthy because he can't protect you know, Kurt anymore. Um, that's tested. I mean, that, that's yeah, really explored sure. in the New York arc. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's a different thing altogether. And, and Kurt isn't feminine coded in, in the actual canon, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. But it also um, flips it on its head too, a little bit. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, I'm not going to claim I know what happens at the end of that particular scene. I didn't go back and read it, so I'm sorry. If you guys wanted some deep, meaningful commentary on it, you're not going to get it. Just go back and reread it. Maybe you guys can explain it to me and bring us in letters because we love letters and 
eventually I will air these and you guys can give us commentary back. So mm-hmm. um, we're hoping right now that when we get to the end of all the other ghosts and gray, um, we will like just answer a bunch of questions from you guys. Hopefully yeah. you will send them. So we still haven't gotten anything. Write us. We like talking to you. And I know you guys have things to say because you're always bugging me when this is going to come out. So come on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the end of this particular chapter, um, this fandom again, you know, there's some, you know, commentary about body shaming and just don't, don't body shame. Just don't. It's a good thing. Just yeah. don't. Um, the beginning of the rift between the ghost fans and the phalanx fans. Hmm. This sounds familiar. Mm. Uh, I have flashbacks. <laughs> we all have battle scars from the better yeah. boyfriend Olympics, which she nails, by the way. I, I just, yes. oh my God, I love it. And I don't think I can, because as we all know, and as we all experienced, there were the Kurt fans, and then there were the Blaine fans, and then they just like to war with each other. And who had it worse, and who had it better, and who got this better, and who didn't have enough screen time, and who didn't have enough solos, and oh my god, shut up. (laughs) It's not a freaking contest. But it makes sense. I mean, you get this, not just in this particular fandom, you get it everywhere. You know, somebody didn't get enough of something, and somebody, eh, whatever. It's there. She, She nails it. Um, you know, it's the first time the super boyfriends are super. Tell Figgins he's an asshat or whatever it is. I always skim that. Um, yeah. And Draxy writes porn, in case you didn't know. We just got to keep up the characterizations here of the girls that we're meeting. And, um, yeah. that Kurt's actually wearing white now. I guess apparently his costume was gray. And now he's wearing white. And, yeah, so that's chapter 14, guys. Woo! In the books. All right, okay. chapter fifteen, which is a very special episode of uh, a very <laughs> special chapter. I, I'm not laughing it's as a, it's, it's important. It's a very special glee. I hope other people find our ramblings interesting. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> okay, so it's fifteen in our very special Christmas episode. I shouldn't be laughing. This is actually a serious subject. Being Christmas. Oh, man. Christmas in July. This this might air in July. It might be August. I don't know. Anyway, Merry Christmas, Christmas everybody. Merry Christmas. Through the book with this. I keep saying book. It's I have it in book form. That's why. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, the kitty and puppy versions. Uh, the fanfic kitty and puppy Oh, I see your name pop on the screen. Um, <laughs> versions of Kurt and Blaine, because, you know, Kurt is a kitty and Blaine is a puppy, and that's fine. I, uh, you know, accept that reading on it, because to me, that's, you know, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. It's very, and we've talked about this before, but it's very, mm, I like it. Yeah. That was not a, hmm, that was a no, I know what you comforting meant. noise. <laughs> like, it was like a... <laughs> Um, and there's a lot of this thing There's not really anything going on But a lot of stuff that's familiar Like updating Somebody updated You know A, a fic And you're like Okay everybody that's, You know Bring him in This person hasn't updated in four months But they've got a new chapter And everybody goes mm-hmm. running um, I mean that still happens um, It does still happen It does I've seen it lately Yeah um, you know, and all of our three ga- fangirls, Ghostly and Draxy and Black Findings, just discussed their Christmas plans. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's just trying to get the atmosphere there. You know, everybody's talking Christmas and it's just a very normal conversation that, you know, fangirls do. And we do. You know that you do. Mm-hmm. Just remember last we Christmas do. when you talked to your friend about your Christmas plans. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, I wrote in my notes, original characters take shape. And interestingly, I think they're more realistic than Kermit Blaine, which I, I do. I think... Uh, maybe it's because she was able to go outside the shells and stuff, but I think that Draxian, Ghostly, and Black Bindings are maybe, maybe because they're not forced to be in these kind of roles that Ray and Joey needs them to be, are, you know, interesting characters, but they feel more like real people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so we are in, uh, I, is this another sex scene, or is it just kind of them, like, I don't remember. Um, I don't think they're actually having sex, I think they're like. Just with each other. I think they're just in bed. Yeah. Like and not, not, not having sex, but not, like, not being sexual, they're being sexual, but they're not having sex, if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. And, um, I said, this is, this is not brought up, I don't think, in the chapter, but I said it, it must be weird to be intimate when yourself is watching. Um, I think it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Blaine's got all of these posters still up in his room. And yeah. They're, you know, they're still, they're up there and um, they're being intimate. And Kurt seems to be okay with that. It's kind of like maybe having a mirror in there. I don't know. Um, it's weird. Anyway, it's a little odd. Um, I also wrote Blaine also thinking in fandom speak because you know Kurt goes in the shower and he goes into that fanfic mode. Uh huh. I wish I had written down exactly what he's more like. He's more than a walking kink meme, but is he? <laughs> But is he? I mean, he says things like, I get to touch that ass and stuff like that. And <laughs> you're like, this is so fanfic, but it's delightful. I'm not criticizing this at all. This is just kind of hilarity. No. And this, you know, it's fanfic being almost meta on fanfic without them explicitly saying that they're being meta on fanfic. And it's right. kind of hilarious. Um, interrupting the awkwardness because what kind of trope with this, you know, this is totally, she has like every kind of trope in here. Bert calls. Well, like he's thinking about, I mean, cause Kurt's going to go in the shower. Does he also tell them to keep the door open? Which he, oh, oh, oh. And he's got a shirt (laughs) on. Yeah. Um, I don't think Blaine mentions that Kurt's in the shower. No, maybe he does. Oh, it's so No, he does. It's so weirdly awkward um and Bert's weirdly okay with everything but um the the whole point of this and this is bold of Blaine oh my god um is that he tells Bert straight up and it's the first time he's ever talked to Bert and he says straight up you know Kurt is having a hard time with Christmas can we move it back to the you know the next couple days after so that we can be on patrol for Christmas and then Kurt can come home and we can do that stuff and, Bl- mm-hmm. and Bert being Bert, wow, this is full of Everett, full of fan and cliches. Worry about protective Bert, Nurse Carol, Correct. Blade's dad being negligent. It's all the tropes that we talk about. Yeah. Um, oh boy. Oh my God. Okay, let's break this down. You know the worry about protective Bert because you know I it, no, I hate this trope. Um, you know, Bert's got a shotgun, and you mess up with my son, I'm gonna have to shoot you. And, 
<laughs> he doesn't right. go that far, but come on, Blaine. Uh, Nurse Carol, she, you know, here we go. Uh, we don't right. actually have any canon evidence of what Carol does. Oh, God, why can't I speak? We don't have any evidence of what Carol does, but of course, everybody decided she was a nurse, so she's a nurse. It's fine. I have, I don't care what she does. Um, I, yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, but I do, we we talked about it on the, the show. We did. Some points, um, not on this one, but um, one of the ones where it actually makes more sense for her to be like a retailer or something else. It's I don't remember what it was, but anyway. I actually, I thought that they mentioned she worked in a factory. So I mm. guess I was, I felt like, because I remember I wasn't on that podcast, but I listened to it when you guys talked about it. Mm-hmm. And I always got the impression that she worked in a factory. Okay. But that's I, I, just me. Yeah, I don't remember, and I don't follow Carol well enough to to really pinpoint if they said mm-hmm. it. The only thing that I remember is that she said that she works like late nights or overnights or whatnot, and mm-hmm. so, so shift work. Yeah, shift work, which could be a lot of things. Um, yes, it really could. So, and then of course Blaine's dad being completely negligent. You know, they don't care about Christmas, so I want to hang out with you guys. <laughs> Which, okay, <laughs> fine. Um, unless you know, Blaine's parents really aren't very involved in this particular, um, particular fix. So that's fine. We can go on ignoring them. Um, but Cooper is around, which is delightful. Not here, but um, mm-hmm. anyway, that's you know. Oh, I guess we'll get to that in the next chapter. I was thinking about Cooper. Anyway, um, so yeah, his dad agrees. It's fine. It's cool. And then, of course, Christmas being uh, Kurt being thankful that Blaine made this happen. It's a Christmas miracle. But this is not the real Christmas miracle. (laughs) No. That comes later. It comes. It really. I should not be making fun of this. This is. Okay. So first of all, they're out. It's Christmas Eve on patrol. They're spreading little bits of joy. They're giving people presents. They, you know, um, they spent. Oh, that's the, the next scene is when they spend, uh, you know, some moments with the Contis and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just they're they're being cute. Um, Phalanx mm-hmm. has a reindeer, like reindeer antlers on, and Santa and Ghost has the Santa hat, and Ghost is really pissy about the Santa hat, but Phalanx thinks it's cute and. It's adorable, just little cute stuff. Um, and so, and then in a rare shift of point of view, uh, Mr. Conti's son, Sal, he takes a moment to contemplate the private lives of superheroes, as we all do. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything new or profound there, but he does it. And it's a little bit of a change. It's a little bit of a, like, looking in the window. So. Uh-huh. All right. So... Let's talk about the big thing that this chapter is about. Um, this is really awkward. Okay, so basically, long story short, um, they find this kid. Uh, he is a trans boy, and he's he's trying to commit suicide because his mother kicked him out for being trans, which is a, it is a serious subject. I, I don't want to. Yes. I do not want to undermine that, and I do think. You know, the ghost ends up giving him an inspirational talk that life sucks, but it can get better. And, you know, he kind of talks the kid down from committing suicide and having the kid coming back to reality enough um, to be there for his sister and his friend. And, 
able to be okay on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Gosh, I don't know. What do you? What th- kind of thoughts do you have to say? I guess. I don't think. I think she does a good job. I I don't want to say that she doesn't um, because this is a very it's a serious subject like you said it's something that needs to be talked about and I don't think that it's not I'm using a lot of double negatives I'm sorry I think I know I you're don't going with necessarily this, think it adds to the story though yes that's what I when I I guess because I, I was joking about this being a very special episode of all the other ghosts mm-hmm. I think what it is is that the story literally stops about being about Kurt and Blaine mm-hmm. and we take the side story and talk about trans people and their rights which I do but think then, is something that is legitimate to be talked yeah, about but of then it is it's not like this, this entire thing is a, I don't want to say propaganda because that's such a negative connotation and that's not really what she's doing, but it becomes this very special episode of talking mm-hmm. about trans rights. And it's, it's fine. like, it's like when it's like the episode where Artie gets the, his legs and it's never mentioned mm-hmm. again. Yeah. It's like, and it's not really like that because this is actually much more important. It is a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah. But then I feel like. Yeah, we're not going to see this kid again. I mean. No, you don't see this kid again. You don't really see a situation like this again either. So it's like a one-off thing that doesn't. It just doesn't really add to the story. And it, there's a little bit. There are a couple of moments that do try to tie into the ghost himself. Because he does see himself in the reflection of the kid a little bit of what he used to be and how far he's come. And he sees, you know, yeah. like he sees Blaine wearing antlers and uh, shout out to the canon. Cause he's singing baby. It's cold outside and white Christmas mm-hmm. at one point. Um, and he, he's kind of seen a reflection in himself in, um, you know, how this kid has hit rock bottom, but has managed to pick himself up. But that's, it isn't, I, I, mm, and I don't, again, I don't think that she's doing a bad job, but it does run the risk a little bit of, you know, you can't really compare Kurt's life to the life of this trans boy. Um, it is what it is. You know what it reminds me of a little yeah. bit? And I hate to say this because I think this is done much better, but that very special episode of Dawson's Creek where Joey gets mugged. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but the one character played by Katie Holmes has an episode all to herself where she randomly gets mugged by the smugger, but she talks to the mugger and he's got a shit life and she makes his life better. And nobody ever talks about it again. That, nope. like, that's it. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. I, I had think... forgotten about that episode until you just brought it up though. And now I'm thinking <laughs> about it. <laughs> It's where she goes to the, it's like it's yeah. the ATM thing, it's right? It's the ATM and she gets mugged yeah. and she, she talks from, you know, you need to live she a better life. Because <sighs> she's Joey. She's Joey. <laughs> Joey Potter, magical creature that she is. Right. Um, so this is kind of the same thing. Not as, it's not as stickish as, as that was, but, and it is a, a conversation that does and a story that does you know warrant telling i do think that a lot of this stuff does go on in real life and the the kid is very realistic i mean and, and she has these kids 
you know, talking like real people talk, it's not any of, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not as, you know, cleaned up. Um, but it's got nothing to do with the story. It doesn't really even have much to do with Kurt and Blaine's characterization. It's just the very special Christmas episode. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I have much more to say about it than that. I don't really either. I mean, but that's about as much time as it's given in the story, too. Yeah. So I don't really feel bad about moving on because it's like it's not that this conversation doesn't need to be made, but does it need to be made here in this Well and the point is also, and this almost feels a little gratuitous, the point is, you know, before then where they're having all of this Christmas happiness. And then on Christmas, it's like, this is why it kind of gets this tropish, very special Christmas episode thing. Because, you know, it's not, you know, chapter eight where they find this kid and they and they go through this. It's the Christmas episode. So uh, here they are having all of this, like, Christmas joy. And Kurt has learned to become a real boy again and really, you know, feeling more comfortable in, as himself and really becoming alive as Kurt as well as Ghost. And here is this kid who's going through something where you know just despairing and kurt gets a second to see himself in it but also let's use this as a platform to talk about trans rights it is what it is yeah it is what it is so we're gonna move on yeah (laughs) um if you guys have more to say though if you guys like I, i just i don't know how much I don't, I just don't know. Like, yeah, we don't have much else to say on it because, you know, read it as a standalone, read it as something that, you know, hey, if you aren't aware of trans, the stuff that trans kids especially have to go through, maybe this is a good starting point for you for um, empathy and understanding of what they're going mm-hmm. through. Um, but yeah, like, I work, I'm going to move on. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. It's it's okay. not a bad section of the story. It's a great it's a great read if you want to read it, I, and you should. So, and we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on because it does. This next part is kind of awkward, but okay. <laughs> um, we get back into the warmth of Christmas and being happy, and you know, one of those who knows if the kid's gonna be okay, but we hope the best that they did. And right. Uh, this is so random. Kurt tells a story about this trans woman that he helped, and she kind of hits on him. <laughs> really kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but but it's because she's like, yeah, I would have taught you a thing or two if you know you've been a little older. And it's kind of a it's all. Ugh. It's also a you know there are people out there you know yeah we're gay and we get bullied and stuff like that but then there are people worse out there than you do, all right. And then Blaine says you know when I didn't know what to do I looked to you which is kind of a sweet thing and then Kurt said before I knew you I missed you so bad like the lyrics of Call Me Baby yeah <laughs> and, and that's I mean that's a quote from I the missed song it so bad I missed it so bad. Oh. I love, there's a meme post that goes around that like it's 3 a.m. and the lyrics of Call Me Maybe seem so deep and profound. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we get. That's basically what he says, though. That, that Blaine says, you know, at least we had each other in a way. You know, Blaine is, it does say, you know, when I didn't know what to do, you were my hero. And Bert basically says, before I knew you, I missed you so bad. <laughs> 
podcast. I love it. I love it. Um, so we end this particular chapter. This chapter. Oh my god. This chapter. Um, <laughs> Merry Christmas, fandom, and all the Christmas. All the things, you know, it's such a happy Christmas time. There's Christmas porn, there's Christmas shenanigans, there's black bindings giving ghostly a plushie, and Draxie giving her books, getting her books. I don't remember. And um, there is a special nod that the trans boy is okay because they kind uh-huh. of allude to him, to him at the end of the, the chapter, um, saying that he jumped on the fandom. You know, there's a little like you. You got it. It's it's it's. I like this thing where it's it's not explicit, but it is like. I'll just open it up real quick. What does it say here? Seventeen. Oh, I don't. I don't. I think I missed that. I don't remember that. Yeah, let me get it open here. To this is the end of. Um. So basically, during the talk, the ghost is bitching about his hat because he that Santa hat that he's wearing, and he's do he does it all through the chapter, and so he makes. The the boy wear the hat. He's like, here, you get the Santa hat. And mm-hmm. um, at the very end of the fandom part, um, they're like, you know, read a blog if you've ever been rescued by the ghost and never rescued by a phallus. Oh, so the super. Yeah. And the last line says, thanks for the hat, dude. So it's it's oh, kind of shows. I, you know, I never I never picked up on that. That's super yeah. Sweet. It's so sweet. at least that's my reading of it. That the the trans boy's okay, and he'll yeah. be okay. I think he'll be okay. He's gonna live a good life. He's got a sister and his friend, and he'll be fine. Yes. Um, so, so that's our very special Christmas episode, guys. Um, we have an interlude because we're not done with Christmas yet. Uh, <laughs> um, we have this very interlude. This interlude, which is a, I, it's fine. I don't really like yeah. the interludes. Actually, the interludes are just flashbacks, and um. This whole thing is, you know, it's Christmas and Finn and Kurt are coming home together. And Kurt wants insider information from Finn now that he's an officer. But Finn is like, nope, we're not doing that. While Finn feels, it's mostly Finn's point of view where he feels super guilty about all the shit he gave Kurt during high school. And that's, that's it. Because he's like, Kurt. It's, it's a thing that is done that I see in a lot of fic that I don't hate. Uh, but it could never, it would never fly in published work. Yeah. Um, where it's like, this doesn't fit anywhere, but I still want it in the story. So I'm going to put it as a little. Yeah. Um, I do think the first interlude works better for me because it is that flashback to that fire and how Kurt mm-hmm. almost died. And I think yeah. there's some more weight to it. But yeah, this reads is a deleted scene of, hey, I've got this like fleshed out Kurt Finn stuff. It doesn't necessarily fit in my narrative anywhere. Let's put it here. Now, that's one of the joys of. Yeah. You know, fanfic that you can do that. Absolutely, that is the point. Yeah. So the, I just uh, that was kind of boring, but yeah, that's me. I feel that way. But I kind of your prerogative. I keep stepping over you. I'm sorry. No, I feel like I'm doing it to you. I'm sorry. No, you're not at all. I'm just I steamroll everybody, so I know that about myself. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a little interview I, I always skip the interludes whenever I read the story <laughs> I do too I actually forgot to read it I had to read it real quick while we were while you were no. talking <laughs> well it's okay there's not really anything there to no, the, uh, just really the reason good. yeah again, it's just more Finn Kurt dynamic and you know we've gone this whole story knowing Kurt's pretty awesome I, I feel like we don't need an outsider perspective saying oh yeah I guess he is kind of awesome yeah right. I know that just whatever 
But it is a scene that meant something to her, so she wrote it. Mm-hmm. She wrote it. All right. And put it in there. Um, then we get to chapter 16, which is probably the my favorite of the three by almost default, which is pretty sad. <laughs> um, the, the problem... Okay, so here's my thing. Christmas is like these three chapters, and I feel like the story starts to pick up again after 16, but I feel like it's mm-hmm. just like... From Halloween here, you're just waiting for Christmas and waiting for Christmas. And you're like, come. For me, I'm just a little like, okay, let's go. Let's go. Right. Let's do something. And but anyway, so we, okay, so we're here. We're, we're, now she does change it up a little bit. Um, she kind of goes back in between uh, Ghost and Phalanx. They're investigating an office break in and then a flashback to actual Christmas time era with Bert and Kurt and Blaine being, um, uh, being at the Hummels. So it, mm-hmm. it's a nice break of narrative. I mean, I do think it's nice to um, change up how you were doing the narrative. Did I skip over? I did. We have to go back to chapter 15 for just a second. Okay. Um, hold on. I'm just making sure that's chapter 15. Or maybe it's this one. Give me just a second. Nope, that's what this is one. It? Never mind. It's that one where I had to go to the end of the book and say what Kurt's issues were, but it's in this chapter. Okay. So never mind. Okay. So yeah, we start off with this. Cur- so we start off with this ghost and phalanx investigating this office break in. It's lots of action. Bullets are flying everywhere. That's what happens. So um, then we get back in a flashback to Bert in his new fancy robe, and he's just—he's yeah. too—he doesn't need a robe. It's just too fancy for him. He's just a working class yeah. guy. He doesn't need that stuff. <laughs> I maintain that. This is might be getting me a little bit of flack, and that's okay if it does. I maintain that Bert thinking loves every high-end yeah. thing that Kurt has ever bought him. It's yeah. never something he would buy for himself, but every time Kurt buys him a nice shirt or really nice slippers or a robe that's really comfortable, he's like, yeah, this is awesome. Because, and I do that because Bert reminds me so so much of my own dad. My dad was a truck driver. He didn't wasn't a mechanic, but he was a very blue collar kind of guy. And like as you know, now every time we give him something that he would have never bought for himself, he's like, "This is the coolest thing ever. I'm gonna wear it every day." Like he <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't play with that. Like I'm too yeah. I'm too gruff and and blue collar for this. So that's why I oh. I really think that. No, that's I yeah I kind of go that way too but that's Bert this particular version of Bert <sighs> okay um so skipping a couple of I'll go back to some of my notes and it's, uh, the one thing Bert is it's a lot it's all Bert's point of view mm-hmm. for the most part and a lot of it is that if you touch my son trope and I stop stop doing this yeah um because he's like well Blaine isn't the person he thought he'd be um because he kind of was like preparing to be like you know but come on, dude, your son is a freaking superhero. Like, yeah. do you really need to do that? If your son wasn't this gay, fragile stereotype, would you really do that with another son? You don't do it with Finn. Right. Um, so I just, that frustrates me that Bert is so easily pushed into that corner of characterization. Mm-hmm. Um, now, can, I tell you a, can I tell you a secret? And you can totally cut this out if you want to. Okay. This is my, this story is my least favorite Bert. I've read one other story where I didn't like him in that one either, but I don't, I don't like the way she writes Bert. No, I don't either. It is not my favorite Bert. Um, I, I think I just don't like this trope. I, I you know, I think Bert respects Kurt way more. I think there's also a little bit more, 
I think they understand each other way better than I think that Rainjoy gives credit to Bert in this particular thing. Um, mm-hmm. th- it's weird. I, like I said, in this weird note, Bert, sorry, Bert has this whole inner monologue about how Kurt has issues saying no. When in canon, it's Blaine who can't say no. Right. Yeah. Kurt has like, no issues. Like, I've never mm-hmm. thought of Kurt as someone who yeah. doesn't know how to say no. Even in the story, he's pretty good about laying yeah. his boundaries out. So it's weird that Bert has this, like, image of him which, where like which makes me feel like Bert doesn't really know who he is yeah. and that makes me sad yeah so yeah I mean like how is it you know I don't know it, like when Bert starts explaining about what his you know who he thought Kurt would be hooking up with it, it and I can understand if you are Again, maybe this was just so, you know, triggers Bert, that idea of who he was supposed to be at the beginning, where, you know, this tough guy, and like, oh, my young little, like, freshman kid is probably, like, liking into these big, like, linebacker guys or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, once you start to know Kurt and Bert and whatever, I don't think Blaine, in fact, Blaine is probably exactly who Bert thinks that he would, you know, is because Kurt loves all these musicals and these fantasies and maybe just in this universe, he's more cut off, but if, you know, Kurt's, you know, liking things of like musicals and whatever. So cut off that Bert doesn't notice it or I don't know. It just, again, it's going, as we've talked about, we just can't seem to get away from this conversation of this codedness yeah. um, that, you know, but I, even so, even if Kurt was a female in this, I would still not like this particular trope. No, in fact, it would might even annoy me even more. Like your your child is a whole person; they don't need that your approval or disapproval of someone or something or anything about their life. Like mm-hmm. it, that's a that's a, a hot point for me. So I'm exactly. really good at that, but. I wouldn't. I wouldn't like it if Kurt was a woman either. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, yeah, what you said, and uh, like also this whole issue of him, like you don't own your daughter. No. So you know. So whatever. Like I. Mm, yeah, yeah. But I then, care. like, it like gets into that whole like you were. I know you just said this, and we've talked no. About go it. ahead tonight several times but like that is a thing that is commonly seen with fathers and daughters and now you put kurt into that role as well yeah so whereas the show bert has never he never worried about kurt standing up for himself he knew he could do it on his own and he definitely was never worried about blaine i mean no (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, and to be fair, he's not like worried about Blaine as much, much more the like idea of Blaine. But even so, like when when Bert says in canon very early on, this isn't about a guy, is it? It's not this kind of like protectiveness thing. It's like, oh, I I don't really want to think about two guys having sex. Right? Yeah, I'm not ready for that. Exactly. So. It is what it is. Uh, uh, one positive thing, um, Bert does say homeless fall in love rarely and truly, and I, I do think that is an uh, accurate thing to say. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, at the, they do show the meaning of this. I actually do think this is kind of funny. When they first show up at the airport and, Blaine, and Bert's picking them up, he mistakes Cooper 
Rupert's boyfriend? Yes. <laughs> Which is really actually funny. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's funny. It's a funny little beat. Um, and, but mostly because Melaine is this little puppy that's just hopping along. And <laughs> right. <laughs> and oh boy. I'm putting oh, it. I, I love that I mean, she never really delves into it. And I, I it's, it's a shame. You can tell that that Ranger feels maybe a little more comfortable with Kurt's world because yes. Cooper is this ultimate, like super looking superhero type. Like mm-hmm. that is the type of person that people expect to be a superhero, not necessarily Blaine. And there's an interesting thing. Um, another issue where I think the, the uh, characterization ends up backwards. Um, Bert says in his like inner monologues that Kurt's heart breaks for other people all the time. And I, I mean, not that Kurt doesn't have empathy. He does. He does go out and stop those people, you know. But Kurt's a very selfish character. Yeah. Like, and Blaine's. Self- oh, sorry, go ahead. Blaine is the one that, no, I'm just agreeing with you. Blaine's the one that's going to sacrifice himself for the well-being of someone else. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Kurt isn't, you know, like you said, empathetic. But he also is very self-aware and very self-involved like he just is not a bad thing it's just who he is exactly um so it goes that i just this characterization makes kurt so fragile all the time that i guess it's frustrated because the kurt i see on screen is defiant and strong despite Mm -hmm. all of this shit coming at him and it is a different take on you know, again, as we've talked about many times, that deviation from season two, but even in season one, he's a strong character who knows yeah. and is aware of who, I mean, and I, and part of that is that she split the character in half, whereas the ghost is the one that's the confident one. And mm-hmm. so therefore Kurt ends up being like this, a, a quote unquote, a ghost of himself, which is where mm-hmm. the character arc is. And again, it's been, it is an interesting character arc to play with, but sometimes that deviation is is just hard for this is again it's it's this is why this is very hard to discuss because if this was an original novel i probably would not be having as many hang-ups because these characters would just be these characters as to they'd be i wouldn't have you know mm-hmm. but here i am i'm you know pinning them against characters that i know and love and that's just the, that's just the the issue with fanfic that's mm-hmm. just you know you kind of can't get away from that kind of thing not to right. mention i still would have issues with the the two you know the gay characters being coded in them which is so funny that she's so she is so intelligent and so on top of um on top of these social issues i it's interesting that she falls so far down this pit of coding i wonder why mm-hmm. that is anyway i don't know I think I think there was a story that she wanted to tell and she mm-hmm. wanted to tell it with these people and so she did. Yep, that, that's true. That's true. Oh, and you know, and we should be fair. There's a little bit of it in canon as well. Yes. <laughs> Especially in like, you know, like season three, beginning of season three, when they it's so like Kurt can't be the learning lean man because, you know, he's got toothpick arms or some whatever shit they decided to do. But and you no, know, but anyway, I wrote contemplating Kurt being in love and seeing the evidence and wanting Blaine to know that. Kurt, oh, gosh, yeah, Blaine, wa- wanting Blaine to know that Kurt's special and sees that Blaine probably knows that. So that's, 
it's fine. Um, back to the present. <laughs> We've got action and bullets and um, oh, <laughs> the more imagery of how the ghost is masculine as he's pissed as he's you know and, and uh, I, like yeah, she does this all the time as we were talking about earlier. The ghost is all like, I'm gonna gun you. You know, you're. It's it's very masculine like oriented his action sequences are very masculine and he's angry and he's you know i want revenge or to avenge or whatever well kurt remains oh no did i do that i didn't mean to i'm so fragile and i'm like i'm such a fragile little thing um anyway this is where i have to get the book out because it says things that annoy kurt or the ghost and where did my book go (laughs) because i want to read this list because it was funny to me Things that annoy the ghost. Um, page 300. Okay. Things that make the ghost this particularly kind of pissed. Loud and annoying noises. Criminal bombast. Don't tell him you're gonna f- don't tell him you're gonna fuck his shit up. He will make you eat sidewalk. Stains on his suit. Criminals mm. who think they have a plan, the amount of criminals who just do not seem to grasp that the ghost thing is ridiculous. People who keep trying to take photographs when he's asked them not to. Criminals with dogs. Why bring animals into it? <laughs> I think that's what it got me. I was like, why bring dogs into it? Um, and then criminals who spit. Oh, God, don't spit. Seriously. <laughs> and then there's the other kind of piss. The kind of piss he gets when someone is shocked and crocodile, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, there's this really funny line of, like, the incompetence of villains pisses Kurt off, and that cracks me up. Mm-hmm. As it would to me too. Like you guys are just so stupid. Um that that's that's entertaining. That was delightful. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. <sighs> Same. Um, oh, where is okay. Yeah, then we get this is so funny to me in the um Blaine again gets really horny and thinking about Kurt's sexy faces. <laughs> oh my god. There's, we'll get the elevator thing in a second. But, um, <laughs> I mean, they're in the middle of this action sequence, and Blaine's like, wow, Kurt's so sexy. <laughs> right? I mean, let's just be real here. Blaine gets turned on <laughs> by action. <laughs> oh, man. We'll talk about it more in a second, though, because I, I'm going to paint an image. Um, but first, Ooh. yeah. Um, but first, we talk about. We get back to the fandom, and um, let's talk about some bondage. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And we get into the discussion of bondage, as we've all had on the internet, about, you know, know, kinks and tropes and, you know, do you like bondage? What do you mean you don't? And I like there's this one line. It says, what do you mean you don't like it? The handcuffs are fluffy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I love Phantom Ridiculous. I love it. Um, uh, yeah, it gets to any kind of conversation anyone's ever had about bondage. Some people like it. Some people don't. Whatever. You know? Yeah. Tag your shit and move on. It's fine. Correct. Uh, so, um, there's It reminds fans- me of... This oh, is so stupid, but it reminds... Did you watch Sex in the City ever? I never did. Um, there's this one episode where they watch gay porn... And uh, <laughs> Carrie or uh, uh, Charlotte says she's not in the mood, and Carrie goes, "Not in the mood for gay porn." <laughs> it just reminded me of that. I don't. Oh, know. that's funny. That is really funny. 
Oh my gosh, yeah. That's it's just fandom. And there's fanfic with the ghost as being a real ghost, and here we get you know, um the this real again, it goes into philosophy and, and it goes meta on the story that she's writing about how the ghost how Kurt was the ghost and the ghost was the real person. Mm-hmm. Um which again, I mean at least she's consistent. <laughs> Yeah, and I I do I like I said I really actually like the story of a person being, you know, it's a it's a very superhero thing too, where you know your your superhero is your identity, and um, the real person you just isn't anything, um, and that actually like let's throw it out to Iron Man, where like mm-hmm. you know the the persona of Iron Man is like who he is. And mm-hmm. Tony Stark is a freaking mess of a person. Right. Um, again, so we have now talked about Captain America and Iron Man. And two ways, you know, you can have these characters and we don't need the coding on top of it. I, I think just yeah. you strip all the coding off of it. And I do like the 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 character arcs of the superheroisms of like, you know, I wasn't a real person. I didn't have a real life. But then, you know, somebody, you know, you came into my life and you helped me live my life. And that, I mean, that that actually really speaks to me to Kurt and Blaine's mm-hmm. story as well. So whenever she can do that without this weird coding stuff, then mm-hmm. yeah, people are going to go say, have to be so sick of me talking about the same thing. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's she, she I mean, I'm this not way. sick of it. That's good. I'm not, it. I'm not sick of you either. So <laughs> that makes me happy, but I'm sure if people are sick of it, they probably will not be on like chapter 16 with us, but you know, correct. Correct. Um, okay. So I, you know, and I'm really anxious to like, are people going to be pissed at me personally? Cause like, <laughs> I don't know. Cause I'm so divisive about this particular fic. Um, but anyway, um, there's also a recording, which is, it's a kind of a cute little recording about, uh, possibly being on the mob hit list that somebody mm-hmm. made, and it's the ghost and and phalanx talking about the mob, and the ghost laughs, and good god, there's a freaking phantom riot, which is hilarious, hilarious because they know. I mean, I like somebody's like, hey, my new ringtone, ghost laughter. Um, <laughs> you're not going to tell me that there isn't one person out there that doesn't have Chris Colfer as some kind of his ringtone. You know, oh, there's probably I somebody. I don't, I don't anymore. But I used to have, um, on my old phone, one of my alarms was him singing uh, La Jazz Hot. I know it's not technically Chris Colfer, it's Kurt. Yeah. That's one of my favorite Chris songs, so. See, it's things that people do. It's, fandom is so dead on always. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So, so, okay. Oh my gosh. (laughs) This is the, this is, this is why fanfic is so delightful, okay? Yes, you can only do in fanfic. I don't think you could do this in published fiction. Okay. So. Oh my god. Let's see how we can describe this. There's an elevator. There's an open elevator shaft. Blaine starts to go down it. Kurt. You know. Stops it. And he's holding. So Kurt has. Almost like if he was like. You know. He's got his legs spread. They're both like. Pushing on the, the doors. Of the elevator. And he's pulling. Blaine up and as that is happening you know Blaine's thinking about oral sex I mean <laughs> he is right there up in Kurt's crotch and right 
it's just so funny. I gotta see if I can look up the, what the lewd joke was, but I mean, yeah, he's just, you know, he's almost gonna plummet to death. And in the midst right. of it, he's thinking about, you know, Kurt's crotch being in his face. And it's kind of funny. <laughs> At least to oh me. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I, I'm not going <laughs> to try and search. Funny. It's just funny. <laughs> it is. It's and like I said, you just—it's just one of those. Like obviously, in in reality, you would never think about this kind of stuff because you'd probably be too scared that you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, just in fanfic, which I love. This is the kind of thing that we're here for. Oh my gosh. Then we go back to Bert, which isn't awkward at all. This is mm, so not even weird. a little bit. <laughs> Okay. Um, it's really more of the same of what it was before. Uh, um, uh, before we go any further, I have to ask mm-hmm. a question. Yeah. What the heck is the joint? What do you mean the joint? There's still some of the joint from Christmas dinner left. What? Where is that? In my notes or is that? In no, the it's in the actual fic. I I wrote it on my notes because I don't know what it is. I'm assuming it's like the turkey. Yeah, I'm guessing it's a Britishism where they're talking about the joint of the oh. leg or something. Oh, okay. That's all right. I'm pretty sure they just don't get high. I'm sure that's a Britishism because there are a lot of Britishisms in this book. Which is fine. Yeah, you're probably right. I just didn't. It totally threw me off. Okay. Anyway, keep going. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um. And yeah, by the way, if we skip over something in your notes, let me know. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Um. So there's more. I mean, just blame, Bert worried about Cart and Super Harry, which is I don't know. I get old of that. I'm not one for parent like this. Like, I like you know I can do a child, you know, parent relationship. I mean, obviously, I really like the Iron Man, Spider Man stuff, but this kind of thing where you're just overly protective about your kid all the time, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just not into it. I'm just not interested. Um, he does say something about Same. Cooper that I think is hilarious where he says, you know, specifically about Cooper, Bert's kind of eh, about Cooper because, you know, he always is looking through you when you talk as if waiting for his cue to begin, as if waiting for his cue to begin talking again, which mm-hmm. I think is hilarious. That I can it's, so see it's that. hilarious. Yes. No. Um, you know, and then they, Bert wants to give, you know, Kurt a talk about taking care of himself, and Blaine is all on that subject. And, you know, they're both showing that they're there for each other, and Kurt does have some healthier habits, because they do bring up the fact that Kurt does take a night off every once in a while. And, you know, of course, Bert, being the parent, thinking about, you know, that time of the fire. Because the fire is a, is a big set piece for Kurt's past. It is something mm-hmm. where he almost died. It is some, you know, it, it is, she does paint really great imagery with that flashback. So, of course, that is something that they keep going back to. And, you know, he's going to worry. But, you know, it's okay. Blaine's fine. So, that's kind of, it's, it, it almost feels obligatory, all this Bert mm-hmm. stuff. Like, she yes. has to write through it. But, you know, maybe that's just, it's fine. Um, you know, and then there's, um, then we end up the action stuff and it kind of clears out. And there's all these police, they're all waiting to, like, you know, you know, arrest the ghost or whatever. And they get out of there. And Blaine doesn't understand why everyone doesn't love Kurt. And I get it. <laughs> I'm objective. This is the person who's biased. <laughs> um. And, yeah, and Blaine says, you know, it's New Year's, you know, since the next day is, is New Year's Eve, 
Um, he wants to spend some alone time with Kurt, and Kurt mm-hmm. does, and they go home, and that's yeah. the chapter. And yeah, there we go. I don't know. Do you have some final thoughts on these three chapters? I don't think so. I think that's we covered it. We did. Yeah, good. I think we covered it. It's like I said. These, I mean, while the kind of theme of Christmas kind of goes throughout. I still feel like this is, I feel like it's vamping almost mm-hmm. like they just, she just had some stuff that she needed to work on through. Right. I, I, just, I mean, there are little beats that I do think push the Kurt and Blaine's dynamic a little further along, but I feel mm-hmm. like when we get into, you know, we're now halfway through the fic, we're going to get into some of the more plotty stuff going yeah. forward. So some major plots going to go forward. Major good plot. stuff is going to happen. It really is. I, cause I like some of the stuff that's really coming up. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll stop whining so much. We'll see. It's been a long time <laughs> since I've read it. So I feel bad. I hope people, I hope you guys are really enjoying it. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong or, or not or whatever. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like argue back with us. Tell us what you think. I'm being um, nice. Don't tell us. What's yeah, of awful. course. Yes. But, but we're fine with, you know, this do you guys have a different? Yeah, do you guys have different takes on it? What are you guys mm-hmm. thinking when you read through it? I mean, uh, does the the coding stuff bug you guys as much, or are you guys? Yeah, what what's going on in your heads? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. So, um, next time we come back, we're going to do seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen. I think it's the first time I've actually been explicit about what's coming next, but that is what <laughs> we're doing. Um, and yeah, we're going to get into some. Like, oh, there's some heavier stuff coming up, actually. For sure, yeah. We're gonna get into the the real nitty gritty of this of the fic. We've yeah. kind of we had like the setup, and we had the you know Blaine becomes a super, and then we had some exposition, and now we're gonna like we're gonna get into it. It's gonna it's coming. All right, cool. Okay, guys. So that's that's about it. We're gonna wrap up. Um, so yeah, join us next week. These should be weekly. About the time that this is coming out, it should be weekly. So, and we'll be back. Bethany will be back because I'll get to drag her until we're done with this. <laughs> and, um, I'm yeah. a very willing participant. <laughs> and I uh, hope you guys have a great Sunday night. Bye. Popular, Laura, and.